0: Welcome to the Wolverine Confidential Podcast. I'm Andrew Kahn. And I'm Aaron McMahon. On this episode, we assess where the Michigan basketball teams stand heading into a holiday hiatus. and we share anything new we've learned about the football team in advance of its playoff game next week? That and more on Wolverine Confidential. All right, Aaron, good to be talking to you here on Wednesday afternoon. Ryan, uh, he's already in Florida. I mean, the guy just is getting a head start on his coverage of, of the orange bowl matchup down there. So we're without him. We've got a lot to, a lot to talk about here. You know, we're going to start really with basketball, but let's tie it in with something that, you know, you learned at at football availability last night, which is that the entire football team is getting their, their booster shots for COVID today. Is that right?
1: Yeah. That's what Andrew Stuber told us uh, Tuesday night, you know, the question was posed, and rightfully so, given the the outbreak in professional sports and college basketball, as we saw the other day with Michigan. Yep. Cancellations are happening nonstop. Guys are getting the virus, testing positive, and it's it's wreaking havoc on games. So the question was obviously posed, you know, the, the possibility of COVID and everything else in college football. And, but Stuber did say, yeah, that they have a full team booster shot. Clinic, I guess you could call it, was scheduled for today, Wednesday, as we record this. It sounded like he said he already had his, and I'm sure there are other players on the team that do as well. But you know, it was it was I think inevitable to happen. Mich- University of Michigan came out I think last week saying that they were going to uh, you know mandate all employees and students to be fully vaccinated, and, mm-hmm. and that includes a booster shot. So it was it's on the docket. Whether that is enough remains to be seen because we're already starting to see cancellations happen in, happening in college football.
0: Yeah, I saw, you know, just before we we got on this call, the Gator Bowl, it looks like maybe Texas A&M is is out. Then yeah, that game won't will, probably won't be played unless another bowl uh, has a problem and now you got two teams looking looking for a game. But I started with that because yes, as as you said, Michigan Men's basketball team was supposed to play a game on Tuesday last night and it didn't happen because Purdue Fort Wayne has issues the women's team supposed to play tomorrow night. And we've known now for, for several days that that game wasn't happening because Eastern Michigan, presumably has COVID issues, they've canceled three games. They didn't say in their press release why, but I mean, got to imagine that's what it is. And this booster should, should help with that. I mean, that's the bottom line. It should limit the number of people that are positive And then, and then these, you know, protocols that then take people out of play because of contact tracing and say what you want about that. You shouldn't be testing healthy people or let the, asymptomatic people play or whatever, like they're at least in Michigan, they're not testing healthy people. Like if you show symptoms and then you get a test and you're positive, yeah, you're out. And then any unvaccinated person you were in contact with is out, not necessarily a vaccinated person. Like that's not what the CDC is saying right now, but some of these teams, if they're unvaccinated or, you know, then they're out or there's a, or, the, or they haven't gotten the booster yet. And therefore they're more susceptible to get it and they do get it. And they're out like that. That's really where the problems are. So, I mean, right now, 34 programs and division one men's college basketball, like on pause, uh, according to, you know, one national reporter, 23 cancellations. I counted, you know, yesterday alone. So it's like, it's not in a good place. So like here, here we are again, we kind of thought this was last year's thing, but it's crept up again this year. And, you know, for the, for on the men's side, It means, you know, no game between last Saturday, the 18th, and now next Thursday, the 30th, at UCF, which is, you know, it's a long break. Did not be planned.
1: Really long time. I'm really curious to see how they kind of bounce back and and come out of that. But yeah, I mean, the virus thing isn't going away. You know, as you mentioned, Texas A&M has bowed out of the Gator Bowl. They're looking for an opponent. I would not be surprised if you see other bowls here in the next few days. Have have issues, you know? Mm-hmm. Whether it's a team trying to field, uh, find an opponent for a team that has to bow out, and there are reports coming out as we as we record this right now that the college football playoff has now extended or offered the option to the four teams in the playoff, including Michigan, to arrive forty eight hours before the game. And then they're moving all media interviews virtual, so yeah. uh, it, things are changing quickly. I would not be surprised if you see other games impacted as the week goes on, because really college football was only you know. we've seen you mentioned the basketball cancellations, but college football has really been the only one that hasn't been impacted yet. Partially because there hasn't really been many games played in the last couple of weeks. Teams have been all exactly. practicing with themselves. I mean, if they've been you know isolated with you know on campuses basically by themselves. And it's funny because we asked Andrew Stuber yesterday about it, and he said we we feel. Free fine because campus is basically empty. You know, kids mm-hmm. have gone home. The semester is over and it's just us, but that changes. Once you get down to a bowl site, especially a, a, in the state of Florida, which is relatively open and there are a ton of mandates and requirements. Right? And that's where things could get, you know, go south quickly.
0: Now this one bowl game, you know, you speak about Texas A&M is out. Wake Forest can just, yeah, they can take the trophy if they want, whatever. It's a no contest. Like that's not going to happen for these playoff games. Is it? I mean, if Michigan or Georgia was, were to have an issue I would think they'd do everything they can to still play that game, push it back, you know, do whatever it takes. I don't think they're just going to say, no contest, all right, on to the championship.
1: No, that's not my understanding, although they haven't really exactly spelled out any contingency plans for the CFP, but I have to think they're going to do everything they can to play these games. I mean, these are four of the most deserving teams. They were the ones that were selected. I think the games are going to be played regardless. Well, it's a matter of when. So we'll see. I'm really curious to see what, what, where the dominoes fall from here, what other games get impacted. You know, there are reports that came out, I think today, that Alabama had a couple of coaches that have tested positive. We'll see if that, you know, makes a difference with their mm-hmm. team. And there have been, you know, reports of Georgia, too. That several guys have tested positive, including back and quarterback, you know, JT Daniels, a guy we've talked about a ton, you know, we, we wondered if he was going to play or whatever the case may be, but yeah. they have a COVID issue on the Georgia side. So, Michigan, as of right now, as of Tuesday evening, had not been impacted. Stuber said they you know that he wasn't aware of any players that had, mispract- had mispracticed the last couple of weeks due to COVID. So, they seem okay. But, you know, as we've seen, that can change in a matter of 24 to 48 hours.
0: All right. Well, no one wants to just hear us talk about the darn virus for 20 minutes. So, let's try to segue, I guess. Like I said, Michigan basketball didn't play Tuesday, but they played Saturday. Smacked up Southern Utah, eighty-seven to fifty. This game was was not close from the start, and and Michigan just kept building on its lead for the thirty-seven point win. Four straight double double for Hunter Dickinson, who made you know eleven of his fifteen shots, and and Devonte Jones, thirteen points all in the first half, made all three of his three pointers. You know the defense dared him to shoot, he did, and and he made it which is huge. Um, And then you had, you know, two young guards come off the bench, Kobe Bufkin, Zeb Jackson, career high in in minutes for Bufkin and points as well with 11 and career high points for Jackson as well, eight over 14 minutes. So it was a team effort and a good game against a team that, you know, is not, this is not an NCAA tournament type team, Southern Utah, but they presented some challenges for Michigan because they were good at things that Michigan wasn't necessarily good at. They, they crashed the offensive glass They get out in transition and they're good one-on-one offensive players. For the most part, Michigan struggled on the defensive glass transition defense and guarding one-on-one and yet had no problem in any of those areas uh, on, on Saturday night. And now the transition defense was part of mostly helped by scoring most trips down the floor. So the Thunderbirds couldn't get out and run very much, but yeah, it was, it was a very, very impressive game. And you would have liked to have seen another one, you know, like, Again, last night would have been a perfect another you know lower level opponent. Get some of the bench guys in and, and just sort of work out some of your your issues, you know, before playing. Uh, stepping up in competition against UCF on the road and then Big Ten play. But here we are. They'll instead have to, to do it uh, against themselves in, in practice, which is what they did. They, they held a scrimmage, uh, you know, intra squad scrimmage last night to just to play a little bit.
1: Yeah, you talked about it last week. These are like the perfect get-right opportunities. They yep. they'd always been struggling in certain areas, and and when you get these inferior opponents, it's a perfect opportunity to improve where you need to improve, and still you know comfortably get wins. And you know, they did they obviously against Southern Utah, and it would have been nice to see them against IPFW. Do you have any indication that they might try and schedule another game between now and the next one,
0: or? No, I mean, the guy in charge of scheduling for them told me probably not. It just probably wasn't wasn't going to happen, you know, on such short notice. I don't think they're like desperate to do it. And yeah, that's what he told me. You know, you know I didn't get into exactly, you know, why or, or why not. But you know, I'm sure there's a couple days, you know, around Christmas, they probably want to preserve not, not having games. But yeah, that's what I was told. So no, I would not expect to make up. You know, it doesn't count as a win for Michigan, though. In the Big Ten, it will. You know, we've seen this and not so much in the big 10 yet but like the big east for example i think it's seen hall is like one and one and they haven't played a game yet because it's just you know they 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 had the covid then the other team had it so that's how it's going to work unless both teams if only one team has the issue they're the one that gets dinged and, and takes a loss in the standings which you know if this thing keeps up people aren't going to be necessarily happy about but that's just what they came up with so far that's 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 the policy
1: yeah, that's what I was going to say. Like, if this surge is so widespread, you, I have to think some of these leagues and conferences are going to have to re- reconsider that just because it's just. Just simply not fair. I understood the, the idea, original intent behind it to deter teams from, you know, being uh, a little liberal with their, their actions and, and everything else and getting encouraging folks to get vaccinated and the like. But when everyone has the virus, or I shouldn't say everyone, but when yeah. a lot of people have the virus, you know, it, it just doesn't work out. You're going to see a lot of wins and losses for teams. It's just, I don't know, especially come tournament time, resume time and everything else, right? At some of these schedules, and it's like, well, you didn't play these two games and you were, you were credited with wins anyway. But I don't know, it's, it's a mess. You know, it's going to be interesting to see how this how everything shakes out here in the next couple of weeks.
0: Yeah. So December 30th will be their next game. UCF is, is currently seven and two, you know, they're, they're two better games, Oklahoma and Auburn. Uh, they lost. So not really an impressive victory on the schedule. They won at Miami. That's probably their best game. They do play tonight against North Alabama. So not expected to be challenged too much in that. They're, they're not great, you know, offensively, especially, but they're, a step up in, in class, definitely from, you know, Michigan's like last opponent, for example. So we'll see. They came to Ann Arbor last season and that was, you know, that was Michigan's only game that they kept from the non-conference period. I mean, they, the rest of Michigan's non-conference games were all against pretty local teams for the most part, you know, in Michigan or, or Ohio. And then they they did honor the the home and home with UCF and beat them pretty handily, 80 to 58 last year. So yeah, I haven't dove into personnel yet on, on their team you know comparing it to last year but Michigan will certainly be be favored in that game but it but it should be tough and yeah Orlando is is not terribly far from from Miami and you know I was told Jawan Howard at least is planning to to go to the game he didn't really put it together um, initially when when the playoff matchup came out that oh we're playing there and, and the game's in Miami the next day because he's always like who's the next opponent what's our next practice but when you know an assistant coach brought it to his attention that uh that was the case. He, he decided to go whether other players on the team do like, I don't think the school can hook him up with tickets. These aren't like they have that. That would be a violation. I think so. It might be tough. Hunter Dickinson expressed that he wants to go so much so that he'd suit up. even for Harpa's team, if, if he wanted a seven foot one tight end, but yeah, I wouldn't expect the all team to be there, but I think, I think Jawan will be.
1: That's when a uh, NIL company has to jump in and offer a hundred uh, pair of tickets to uh, cut a commercial or something for them. Yeah. Right?
0: Exactly. <laughs> that would be nice for them, I'm sure. Uh, so we'll see. Then uh, the women's side, um, you know, since we last talked, they scored the biggest win in program history. They never beat a top five team before until Sunday when they went to Connecticut, Mohegan Sun Casino, and beat number five Baylor 74 58 in overtime. The last game between them went to overtime when Michigan's you know season ended in the Sweet 16, and they went to overtime again without Nas Hellman, who fouled out late in the fourth quarter. They still won. Leah Brown kind of took over offensively. They hit some big shots down the stretch. Maddie Nolan had a big three in overtime. Layla Filia, the freshman, hit a couple of big threes earlier. Michigan was actually up 10 in the third quarter in this game, but it was close throughout the the fourth quarter. And it was just, I mean, just a huge huge win for this Michigan program that then gets rewarded with a number nine ranking in the AP poll. First time ever they cracked the top ten. So a lot of firsts here in these last couple of years for the women.
1: Yeah, they've been incredible. I wasn't able to watch any of the game the other night, but like, you know, I did see the highlights afterwards and then just the ramifications of a win like that. You know, especially for the run last year, a couple of years ago. Like they clearly have momentum in that program. and it's cool to see. And it's just another example. I mean, Michigan Athletics is they've been killing it the last couple of years on you know, across the board sports wise. It's it's been pretty impressive. And Ward Manual deserves pats on the back for the job he's done.
0: Yeah. For them, like I said, their game tonight that was supposed to happen is canceled. So their next one will be December thirty-first. At noon at home, it's their maze out, you know, crash Chrysler. They usually have a great crowd for those games. It's usually against Ohio State or Michigan State. This one is against Ohio State. Again, it's at noon, so it would not interfere with your Michigan football watching plans that night. That's a big one. I mean, Ohio State is ranked, I think they're 24. And yeah, it's, you know, Michigan's already 2 0 in the Big Ten. The bigger test will be Maryland, Indiana. Iowa, those are the other teams that are, that are ranked pretty high up there. But again, Ohio state is, is a very capable team. And that's the next step for this women's program is to win a big 10 title. Cause rarely do they finish even in the top three. You know, I think they were fourth or fifth last year, you know, when they, they went a long way in the, in the NCAA tournament, but still doing, you know, doing well and, and hanging a big 10 banner is, is something this program just hasn't done before. So we'll see. That's the, that's the next step. And I did look up hockey, even though we don't have Ryan Zook on the pod. Well, guess what? There's nothing to talk about. They didn't play since uh, that that split against Ohio State weeks ago. Their next game is December 29th against Michigan Tech. And then they play the 30th against Western Michigan, which I guess that is, I know it is, the, the GLI, the Great Lakes Invitational, which is actually being played here in Ann Arbor this year, as opposed to in Detroit, as it's often been in the past. So... Yeah, that's the hockey update is that there's no update. But let's get back to football a little bit. I guess, what else did you learn yesterday or really since we last spoke in advance of this Michigan-Georgia matchup?
1: Well, we we did get some new, I guess you can call it breaking news, development, whatever you want to call it, yesterday. I did report on MLive.com. Michigan has hired a new uh, recruiting lead, recruiting coordinator, whatever you want to call it. Yep. Uh, Albert Karshnia. Uh, I mentioned his name on the podcast a couple of weeks back, I think i here you rumblings did rumblings and other people had obviously reported that the Michigan was targeting him. He had been Central Michigan's Director of Player Personnel the last five years over there, essentially the head of the recruiting department. He did a good job. I heard about his name, gosh, going back to a year or so. His job recruiting the state of Michigan, guys around the Detroit area. Um, if you go back and look at CMU's recruiting classes, they have gotten better since he's been there. They've been really good since Jim McElwain took over as head coach a couple of years ago. Um, they were second in the MAC this year. They were a top 80 recruiting class. So he has in-state ties. He has a University of Michigan graduate. Uh, went to Orchard Lake St. Mary's High School Preparatory School. So he's got ties to state of Michigan. He's a hard worker. Folks may remember him when he he actually wrote a letter to Jim Harbaugh. Uh, back in 2016, he, he had been on Harbaugh's recruiting staff from 2015 to 2017, and he wrote this letter basically thanking Jim for taking a chance on him and his love of Michigan and wanting to be here. Jim e- ended up tweeting it out, and it went kind of viral on social media, so some folks may remember it. But he he is back. He, is, by all accounts, is going to have some type of lead in the recruiting department. There have been reports, and it's possible. There's been talk that Michigan may may make an additional hire to help supplement him, but he is certainly on board. He is on staff. It was confirmed to me last night. Michigan has not announced it just yet, but I expect it to come in the next couple
0: of days. Yes, Aaron McMahon of M Live breaking that story, and yeah, first first kind of mentioned the possibility here on the Wolverine Confidential podcast. It's rare that I get to do this, which is like tease an episode that I already know is good, uh, because usually it's record, post, you know, record, edit, post. But we actually already did speak to Mike Griffith of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Dog Nation, Georgia beat writer, the last few years, and we'll be posting that Friday morning. So. Yeah, look out for that because it's really good. I mean, Mike, former M Live staffer, we could have talked to him for for hours to be honest. Um just jam-packed with information about about the matchup and I mean, I'll say I kind of came out of it feeling a little more uh, I guess I don't know if optimistic is the right word, but you know, liking Michigan's chances to win that game maybe even a little more than I did. He seemed to, you know, he seemed to think that the biggest thing to take away was how kind of the mindset of Georgia, that they are maybe having a little trouble putting that Alabama loss behind them as opposed to Michigan, which comes in, you know, on the highest of highs.
1: Yeah. He did a good job of kind of paving a path for the, a potential Michigan win. I mean, he, mm-hmm. he basically laid it out saying, Hey, this is how Michigan goes into this game and beats Georgia. You could, Look to the SEC title game as a, certainly a, a nice baseline for that. But I, I think I came away thinking, yeah, Georgia is not invincible. Their defense has been fantastic. Michigan's going to have, have their hands full, but they're not the, I guess, the runaway number one maybe some of us thought they were going to be. Mm-hmm. To, you know, consider that with all the distractions going on down there in Athens. There have been reports coming out of COVID surge and the recruiting operations guy getting fired. There's a lot of, a lot of stuff going on down there in Georgia. I think that they... The, the coaching staff and the players down there have been kind of just distracted by. Yeah. So we'll, we'll we'll see how Georgia comes out of that. They're obviously, obviously coming off the SEC title game lost to Alabama, but they're still a very good team. Uh, both sides of the ball. We go and do an in-depth conversation about the quarterback situation and who probably will start and play. It was a good conversation. It's, it's well worth listening to.
0: And then much of that you know, game and that matchup will be predicated on Michigan's ability to run the ball and therefore the offensive line uh, recently named the best offensive line in the country. Again, I just that's something that we talked about a lot. And yet maybe we didn't even talk about enough, like how good this offensive line one, line was this year, because Aaron, I mean, who's the highest draft pick on this team, do you think? I mean, how high does, you know, we've got a couple seniors that I think are NFL prospects, but it's more the sum of the parts, you know, type of deal with this Michigan offensive line.
1: Yeah, you nailed it. I don't think there's a runaway day one guy on this right. o- on this Michigan offensive line. There's going to be a bunch of guys that will be drafted, whether it's this year, this year or next year. But yeah, I don't think there's that that top ten guy. And I think that goes to show. I think the job that Sheron Moore did and the off- Michigan offensive coaching staff kind of did in come in developing this game plan. You know, Michigan. We saw at the beginning of the year they had a. MO to run the ball and establish the line of scrimmage and win at the line of scrimmage and they done so and, and they did so. And, and I think that that goes to show just the experience and the guys that been on the program. and I think it's, it makes this this year even sweeter. you know Michigan ended up winning the, the award for the off, the Joe Moore award on Tuesday night. They were actually awarded with the trophy and it's a massive trophy if you haven't seen a photo of it for being the most the most outstanding offensive line in the country. So it's a it's a good group. It's an experienced group. And I think that's where they've been, you know, they've been most effective between the game plan and the guys that have been in the trenches and been at Michigan for a couple of years now. It was almost this perfect perfect store. Because yeah, you're right. There is no superstar up there. There is no top 10 guy, but you've got enough experience, enough talent up there for them to get it done. Obviously, a couple with the uh, the talent at running back too.
0: Yeah. Who who was named, you know, on Michigan's awards banquet, who'd they give the top? Was it Stuber? They gave the top. Offensive line. Yep, yeah. yeah. So yeah, there you go. Top senior offensive lineman, I guess this is how they phrase the award, but yeah. So there we go. I mean, the countdown, like I said, in the intro it's it's next week now, the game, I mean, next uh Friday. So, you know, more than a week away, but we're, we're closing in, but man, it just seems like it's almost a marathon to get there. Cause you, again, once you see one ball get canceled, you get worried about it. I mean, for, for sure. That's, that's the last thing that you want is one of these playoff games, you know, to be, to be affected i mean you know one is is bad for wake forest and texas a&m too but like we see w- w- the significance of some of these bowl games with the opt-outs and things like that it's not it's not the end of the world but you know the playoff games would be would be pretty devastating if they're impacted so we'll see what happens we'll be covering it all here on the wolverine confidential podcast and on my.com slash wolverines thanks for listening